play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Cairo, Seattle. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, comedian Hannah Burner. Wow. Who knew how much I love to talk about food? <laughs> Hannah does stand-up. She hosts two podcasts, Giggly Squad and Burning in Hell. And she was on the Bravo reality show Summer House for three seasons. Hannah grew up in New York City in a big bowl of spaghetti with a bunch of meatballs, which is apparently how I'm going to describe her big Italian family, including her beloved 81-year-old Nana. Nana Vera is going to join us later on the show to share her recipes for Hannah's last meal. Do you know that I was on, because of her, I was on Good Morning America. I did uh, not know that. And now she can say she was on your last meal. Critics say we're like the Good Morning America of podcasts. And finally, if you love Bloody Marys, you know they're really just a vehicle for all the crunchy, snacky stuff that is stuffed inside of them. But Soberman's Pub and Grill in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, takes it to the next level. You'll meet the man who is pretty sure that he invented the trend of the -the over-the-top, wildly garnished Bloody Mary. So you started garnishing the Bloody Mary with an entire three-pound chicken? Yeah. All of this coming up, but first, my conversation with Hannah Burner. I love that you have a New York accent. You probably (laughs) can't hear it because accents are fading. I read this article in the New York Times a few years ago that was talking about the fact that regional accents are starting to go away because people move around so much. And Uh my family's from New York. And so I was just like, ah, somebody who's not 60 who has a New York accent. (laughs) God, that's so funny because, yeah, my grandparents have the thickest accent. My husband actually has the most thick Queens accent. My grandma talked the same way. Like she was like yes. the coffee talk lady. I could turn it on and talk more like I'm from New York. Yeah. But I I think when I get a little angry, it'll come out like I have a little more attitude. But I love accents. I went to Wisconsin for school and I was like obsessed with the Midwest accent, Southern yes. accents, the Philly accent. I love I love that so much. Before Hannah started her career in comedy, she was on track to have a career as a tennis player. Oh my God, I was a very hyper child. I was always very silly. My parents definitely were like, we need to run her so that she can be laughing so annoying. So at like eight years old, I got like fixated on becoming a professional tennis player. And I was like naturally pretty athletic and I, I started doing well. And it just became like my obsession. And I ended up playing a little professionally when I was like 16, 17. And then I ended up getting a full scholarship to University of Wisconsin. I'm competing. And then by 22, and after playing sport, you know, for so long, like it really was a career. I was like, I feel like I have a creative side to me Mm -hmm. that is just so untapped. And I was feeling a little burnt out with tennis. And I was proud of myself for stepping away from it. It was like the hardest breakup of my life. But I was like, I feel like... I'm not, I don't get happy enough when I win anymore. And I get really upset when I lose. And I'm like, I can only see this getting worse. So for my mental health, I quit something that I'd been doing my whole life. I had definitely had an identity problem after that. But deep down, I've always been just surrounded by like 
funny people. My family's funny. My friends are hilarious. And I never thought that just like being funny in the group chat could turn into a career. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought I could make money doing it. Out of college, I was like doing sales, marketing. And then finally, I was like, I think I want to do funny videos. And here we are. So how did your eating life change going from being an athlete to being a comedian? I mean, so different. I ate like a football player. When I tell you at Wisconsin, I was eating. I've ordered like a full brunch with a side of a cheeseburger before. After class, I would like walk to the food hall and just grab a cheeseburger to go to my next class because I trained from like 6 to 8 a.m. and I was freaking starving. So I consumed so many calories, but I always consumed food as like energy. I would inhale it. And the goal was to like try to be digested by the next time you were playing. Yeah. And um, the dairy in Wisconsin as I'm half Jew and I definitely have IBS problems that I ignore. It was definitely chaotic energy for my (laughs) digestion, but I like The food is so good in Wisconsin. Like they would have cheeseburgers with an egg on top and a slab of bacon. And then specifically Madison, when you order a Bloody Mary, they, if you Google Wisconsin Bloody Mary, they will have a full like chicken with like corn dogs and cheese curds (laughs) curds. all in a Bloody Mary. Like these people are not about minimalism. I feel like that is the sign of a good Bloody Mary. Like you're supposed to, the Bloody Mary is kind of like the thing that you wash down all the food that is hanging. Yeah, it's a vehicle for the other stuff to float. Yeah. I've also never even come close to finishing a Bloody Mary in my life. I always have like two sips and I'm like, yeah, that hit the spot. (laughs) Cause I don't think it's meant to be actually consumed like that. But being born in Brooklyn, New York, um, food from different cultures has always been like so important to me. But also Wisconsin, like they had no Thai, no good Thai. They had pizza with mac and cheese on it that I trusted. Wow. So it was a it was definitely a different culinary experience where they were great at certain things, but not great at other things that I was used to in New York. Yeah, like all American comfort food, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Like just food, coma, turn on the TV, <laughs> blackout for 10 hours. It was really comfort food. usually break away from the main guest this early on in the episode, but we need to talk about Wisconsin Bloody Marys. I've had the Bloody Mary garnished with a little slider in Seattle. I've had a pho Bloody Mary that had pho broth mixed in with the tomato juice, which was so delicious. But until Hannah suggested that I Google Wisconsin Bloody Marys, I honestly didn't know that Bloody Marys topped with five stories of garnish was a Wisconsin thing. At Smashed on the Rocks in Algoma, Wisconsin, the Bloody Marys are garnished with a full-size soft pretzel, a corn dog, mozzarella whips, which is a new thing for me, clearly a very classic Wisconsin cheesy delight. It's basically licorice whips that are made out of cheese, so it looks like cheese spaghetti. That's in the Bloody Mary, plus all manner of pickly vegetables. The Bloody Mary at Hoozles in Wisconsin Rapids includes a garnish of chicken and waffles, And at Kathy's Buffalo Bar in Watertown, Wisconsin, the Bloody Mary breakfast has 18 different garnishes. I couldn't find a menu on the website, but from the photo, I detected a foot-long hot dog, an egg roll, and a chicken nugget. But the original, the OG giant Bloody Mary stuffed with snacks is from Sobelman's Pub and Grill in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. When I bought my original location in 1999, I was just out to make a name for myself. I was going to make better burgers, better fish fries. 
and better Bloody Marys. That's Dave Sobelman, who owns three Sobelman's Pub and Grills with his wife, Melanie. He says back in the day when he opened his pub, the Wisconsin Bloody Mary tradition only included a little chaser of beer on the side. On the weekends, you find places that would throw in a jumbo shrimp. When it came to the Bloody Mary, I thought to myself, why do I need to wait until Sunday to put the jumbo shrimp in? I'll put it in every day. But I'm trying to build something here. I want to be special. I want my wife and my family to be special. I want to build this business. I've got bills to pay, but I also want to make you know my family proud. I was pushing the limits. Again, why wait until Sunday to put the jumbo shrimp in? And I put the jumbo shrimp in right away. So that got me thinking about other things I could put in. The Bloody Marys. The first Sobelman's was in an industrial part of town. And Dave discovered that the business next door sold all kinds of pickles. Bayview is five generation family owned. And they make everything from pickled bologna, pickled turkey gizzards, pickled Brussels sprouts, and three kinds of pickled eggs. I saw he had different types of olives and pickled asparagus, onions, Brussels sprouts, um, mushrooms, blah, blah. I said, you know what? I could buy this stuff from Ryanie next door, put it in my Bloody Marys. I'll have the best Bloody Marys in town, and I'll finally be doing some business with my neighbor and making him happy. And that's how it started. It just one thing leads to another. He had pickle Polish sausages. And I said, well, I should put that in the Bloody Mary. But what goes good with a sausage? Maybe some cheese. So I started buying blocks of Colby Marble Jack cheese. Of course, Colby Marble Jack was invented here in Colby, Wisconsin. All these things would go on little toothpicks. So the sausage and the cheese on one, the shrimp. I said, what goes with shrimp? Well, I said, lemon. So I put the, the lemon on, on another toothpick and I thought to myself, what else can I add to that toothpick to make it more attractive? And I bought some grape tomatoes. For a while, we were putting them in everything I could find. Eventually, we decided to back off because though it, it makes a huge first impression, so much of it was just going to waste. People were just wasting the stuff. So we ultimately stopped using the mushrooms, the Brussels sprouts, and the pickled pearl onions. One day, Dave was just messing around, and he made a Bloody Mary garnish with a slider. He posted it on Facebook just for fun. He had no intention of putting this on the menu. And I said, hey, am I going too far? And uh, everybody said, no, people just couldn't believe it. And it took off on Facebook. By the next weekend, I knew that I had to figure out a way to make this many cheeseburgers sliders fast enough for these people when they ordered their Bloody Mary. It was just for Facebook. I never really intended on selling Bloody Marys with a three pound chicken in them. But, you know, you put it on Facebook, people see it and they want it. And I'm kind of forced to at that point. Yes. Yes, you heard correctly. Sobelman's has an 80 ounce Bloody Mary Garnished with an entire three-pound fried chicken. We buy from a local butcher, and it's like 30-some minutes in the fryer. He would say, leave it down for so many minutes, and then we would take it out and serve it, and it would still be kind of raw. And so we had to <laughs> no. get, Yeah, we were learning. It took a couple, three weekends to get it right. Finally, we did. If you're going to make the pilgrimage to Sobelman's, you got to go all in. Order the Bloody Beast. It's 60 bucks. But it includes a whole fried chicken and a whole lot more. So there's the chicken and then there's just several, three or four or five uh, celery trees, four or five scallions. There, there'll be a skewer of five or six slices of the sausage, little squares of Kobe Marble Jack cheese. There'll be another skewer of shrimp and lemon and tomato, another skewer of asparagus, another skewer of pickle and olives. 
Um, and then we will put the cheeseburger slider. Then we have our Baconado, which is it comes with a skewer of bacon wrapped around jalapeno cheese balls, then deep fried. We have a Bourbonado with bacon wrapped around little chunks of chicken, deep fried. And then we smother that in a bourbon sauce. We have our unique cheese curd that we have here in Wisconsin made by a particular cheese manufacturer. And they come in triangles. So we call it our cheese head. We have the buffonado, which take the same bacon and chicken. We deep fry it and we pour buffalo sauce on it. You get all those appetizers as well. And a basket of fries and a pitcher of Miller Lite beer. It's a meal. Wow. Dave says he is flattered that this trend caught on, but... I would love one day to get the credit for having started all this. Like, that would be, like, huge for me and somebody, a local food critic, would say that, you know. Solomon started this whole over-the-top burger and Buddy Mary thing in 1999. There are cities across the country that they become known for a particular food or crab cakes in Baltimore and Chicago-style hot dogs or deep-dish pizza in Chicago, the Philadelphia, South Jersey area for um, hoagie-style sub sandwiches, stuff like this, barbecue in Kansas City. One day, if I got credit for that, again, that would be great. You know, Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin has, has become known for, you know, great burgers and Bloody Marys. Dave, this is your moment. I am officially giving you credit for introducing Bloody Mary meals to the world. I freaking love Bloody Marys. I love gimmicky foods. So if you're listening, Tourism Board of Milwaukee, I am available to be flown out for a big old Bloody Mary cheese curd, three pound fried chicken tour. I'll be waiting. All right, it's time to take a break. But when we return, Hannah shares her last meal and you'll get to meet Hannah's Nana, Nana Vera. If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Palsbo, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest, and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P, or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. listening to your last meal you might like watching my new tv show the nosh with rachel bell we just wrapped up season one so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at cascadepbs.org in episode one i convince an east coast skeptic that seattle now has fantastic bagels and in the season finale we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of seattle episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at cascadepbs.org or find a link in the show notes.
Hannah grew up in a family that straddles two cultures who love to eat. Her dad is Jewish and her mom is Italian. My mom made pasta every single night. <gasps> almost. You are so we'd, lucky. We'd, we'd occasionally, you know, have like, you know, Chinese takeout or sushi or Mexican food. But like the day to day, if mom was cooking, she was making a different pasta. So it was pasta with broccoli, pasta like pasta fagioli. It was pasta with sausage and broccoli rabe. Other people, I think have been taught that like pasta is very unhealthy. So they'd be like, oh my God, how could you have pasta every night and like not be obese? But I really think it's genetically like what my people ate. And like that's what my nanas always ate. That was, I think, a unique thing that my family did that I, I guess I thought everyone did. And like to this day, I'm not that great at cooking, but like I can whip together a, a pasta dish pretty simply. Oh, that is my I, that is my favorite. I could eat pasta or noodles, like Asian noodles, every single day. Pasta, I feel like it gives me the energy I need. And because I think I had it so much in my life, I don't overindulge in it mm. where I'm like, I need to eat all the pasta. It's, it's yeah. always been there for me. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot from my mom in terms of she never restricted food from us. I know some friends who like weren't allowed to eat candy. So like when they'd come to my house, they would just like eat tons of candy and they treated it like they put it on this pedestal yeah. where... My mom always had a little welcome bowl with chocolates in it. I think it's very like (laughs) Italian grandma thing. After dinner, sometimes, you know, we would just grab a chocolate. I do think my appetite has bonded me with people because I'm not a a picky eater at all. My first boyfriend was of Bengali descent. His family's from Bangladesh and they were Muslim and we were dating and I never met his family. And he was very kind of like, not sure if they would approve. Like, I don't even think he was technically supposed to date. And finally I got the invite to like meet his parents after dating for like a year. And she put down like the most incredible curry dish mm. and I loved it. I'm like stuffing my face and she looks at me and I look at her and like she loved me, like just kept <laughs> feeding me. I kept complimenting her food. She was showing me all the spices she uses. And like it really was just a, a language of yeah. love and food that it's like, I, I love your son and I love your cooking. So I think this is going to be a good experience for us. <laughs> We know you just got married, so we know that didn't work out, but you know. Yes, that did not work out, but it wasn't because of the food. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Okay, so the big question, what would your last meal be? Ah, oh my God. Oh, geez. I do think my last meal would be chicken parmesan and penny alla vodka or my Nana's eggplant parmesan, which is spectacular just because it feels like home. It's comfortable. But when I'm feeling naughty, there's nothing better than a cheeseburger with fries. And it's so funny because I did date a kosher guy for a while and he, he was so um, <laughs> stunned, shocked by my eating habits where like I would get bacon, egg and cheese. I'm from New York. Like if I don't have meat and cheese together, we're not enjoying it. That did add some, you know, tension. Not that I was like disrespecting. I respect what you're eating, but yeah. you don't need to judge me for my bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> yes. I like how you've dated like this United Colors of Benetton of eating because you had, you know, your Muslim boyfriend and then the kosher boyfriend. Like, you, you I literally eaten. joke. It's like the Epcot of yeah. men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who makes the best version? So whose chicken parm and penne alla vodka do you want? My Nana's Vera DeLeo. She's actually on Instagram. Her name is Nana Still Got It. She's my grandma. She's 80 years old and she's a firecracker. And she's always shown love through food. She's the classic grandma where like she will not sit down until everyone's like eaten. 
<laughs> and because she, yes. she's eating while cooking the whole time yeah. so she's like full and then she's like why didn't you finish your last piece of chicken and I'm like yeah I'm full and she's like you don't like it you don't like it so she makes the best food and it has she makes really good artichokes which I think is a very underrated vegetable where she puts the like olive oil little lemon and breadcrumbs homemade oh, breadcrumbs in it so with good. garlic ah oh, so you're good. really just like eating the breadcrumbs but you're like this is healthy yeah so my last meal would be enjoying her food. The eggplant parmesan, she really like individually fries each piece of eggplant. It has the right mix of, you know, marinara and cheese and love. Love is what makes I it good. Love. I went to your grandma's Instagram account and she seems very funny. I mean, she seems yes. like very involved in your life and she looks really young for 80. Yeah, she has had no plastic surgery. Really? And she just eats pasta and that's how she looks. Wow. She's she- pa- she looks like she's like at least a decade younger. That's amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. And she is one to like always bring the family together because Nana's making something good. Um, I feel lucky to have a family that we always ate together. I know sometimes like some families dinner wasn't a thing where you're all at the same table. But I think I want to try to have that in the future with my family where like whatever you're doing dinner time we're sitting down we're talking about our day over a good meal for her last meal hannah burner wants her nana's chicken parm penne alla vodka eggplant parmesan and might as well throw in a cheeseburger with fries for dessert there's only one other person, I've been doing this show for five years, who had that last meal. Not the penne alla vodka, but you and Zach Braff are the chicken parmesans. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, chicken parm. Many, many years before I started making this podcast, I had the idea for this show. I envisioned it as a TV show where I would interview celebrities and then go anywhere in the world to find the best version of their last meal. And I imagine that would often take me into a relative's kitchen. Last meals are personal. They're nostalgic. I imagined a lot of celebrities would choose a last meal made by their grandma. But somehow this is the first time that a grandma's voice has eked its way onto your last meal. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Hannah's Nana, Vera DeLeo. Uh, I was getting a kick out of your Instagram page because your account is called Nana Still Got It, and you describe yourself as an 81-year-old glamma. Did you come up with that yourself? No, I didn't come up with any of it. My oh. granddaughter did. <laughs> my, Hannah? my granddaughter gave me the name. I want to hear all about your cooking because Hannah talked so much about it. Um, well, I like to eat. That's why I like to cook. I come from a family where food was important on both sides. My father's family were butchers and my mother's family were Italian bread bakers. So you were born into a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vera grew up eating Italian food in Brooklyn. Breakfast for me was hot Italian bread with sweet butter dipped in a coffee that was half milk. And this is as a, a small child. We always had good food and um, great memories, if I do say so. What did you grow up eating? What were the things that your parents cooked a lot at home? A lot of pasta, just like now. Sunday was the Sunday sauce, and we would have it again on Tuesdays. 
Monday was soup. Uh, Wednesday was some sort of uh, a stew. And Thursday was another pasta dish, and Friday was fish. And Saturday, as long as he had the butcher shop, we would have whatever didn't sell. (laughs) But I do remember eating a lot of steak on Saturday. Even as a butcher, we didn't eat that much meat. A lot of vegetables. Every pasta dish, except for Sunday, was made with some sort of a vegetable. One of my favorites today is uh, pasta with sausage and broccoli rabe, which I love. Ooh, yeah. Do you uh, do it with orichette? Yes, mostly that one, but any one that I might have. I have a pantry filled with a lot of pasta, so... Uh, I have a good variety to pick from. Well, I think that pasta must be the fountain of youth because I've seen your Instagram page and I cannot (laughs) believe that you're 81. I mean, I am shocked. You are gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Well, they once asked Sophia Loren that question, how does she keep her figure? And she said it's the pasta. So I'll have to uh, re-quote her. Uh, It must be the pasta. I think it might have been Sophia Loren as well, who when someone asked her the secret to staying young and she said, I never make old lady noises when I stand up. She never goes, oh, oi. Uh, that's why she said she stays young, too. <laughs> I'd like to ask, ask her that question now. I think she's 86. <laughs> so I'm starting to make those noises. I want to ask uh-huh. you about a couple specific dishes, because for Hannah's last meal, she wants chicken parm. Oh an eggplant parm, and penne alla vodka. And when I said, who do you want to make all this food? And she said, my Nana. I'm known for my eggplant parmesan. That's really what she loves. And in fact, she got her husband now to like it. And I promised I would bring it to her the next time I see her, which I hope is very, very soon. There's a thing about eggplant. You know, in Italian, it's melanzani. That is based on, I think, the word melancholy. And there was a, I don't know if it was a superstition, but it was a belief. We're going back probably centuries where if you ate eggplant, you would get depressed or down or act a little crazy. And so because of that, I was taught to get the eggplant, peel it, slice it thin, and then I put it in a colander, salt it, and then put a plate with something very heavy. I filled the tea kettle up with the water, and you let it drain. And all the drippings that come out supposedly is the poison. Oh, <laughs> and okay. I never made eggplant without doing that anyway. And then uh, I get two dishes, egg pepper and salt, and the other dish is flavored breadcrumbs with Parmesan cheese and pepper and salt. Yum. And then you dip it in the egg, you dip it in the breadcrumb, and that's basically it. I only use olive oil for everything, unless I'm baking a cake, then it's corn oil. <laughs> but uh, I fry them all up. In the meantime, I've made my sauce which is nothing that fancy. I'll just use a, a a good Italian brand of a tomato sauce, a little garlic, and a pepper and salt. Then I put it together, a little sauce on the bottom of the pan, layer the 
eggplant out, put uh, shredded mozzarella, the sauce, and then Parmesan cheese, and then make another layer and repeat. And on the top, I put a lot more mozzarella cheese and the Parmesan cheese, too. And bake it in the oven, 350, till all the cheese melts, because the eggplant's really already cooked. That's it. My eggplant is still my favorite, and Mm. Hannah's. Who taught you how to cook? I do cook more like my mother-in-law than my mother. You know, when you get married, you want to cook what your husband likes. And so my Sunday sauce is more the way she made it, but they were both delicious. And uh, I think that's all I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Nana has spoken. She's done, but Hannah still has a lot more to say. After the break, we're going to do a lightning round. Love a lightning round. Do you still have a cat named Butter? I do. I think food names for pets is so amazing and so funny. Like any food name like makes my heart warm. Um, so butter is a big part of my life. And people just think I like love dairy because I have a necklace that says butter. And I'm like, no, it's my baby. <laughs> and they're like, you have a child named butter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not going with Paltrow. <laughs> yeah. You need an apple to go with your butter. Okay. I'm going to let you go in one minute. Just a super quick lightning round. Number I love one, the lightning round. What is your perfect birthday cake? <gasps> okay. I am a big vanilla girl I love vanilla I think vanilla is hated it gets like a lot of hate as it it's boring I think vanilla is perfection especially when it's not too sweet I love like a buttercream moment I love the birthday cake ice cream flavor and I really just love like a a creamy vanilla buttercream thick fatty creamy white cake (laughs) (laughs) angelic just like no chocolate to be seen i just want to feel like immersed in vanilla just a big fluffy white cloud from heaven yes yes yes. (laughs) what is your favorite snack to get at the movie theater um my favorite snack is definitely buttery popcorn i Mm -hmm. want a lot of butter i want to be hot i want to finish it before the movie starts i want to regret it immediately because i'll be full and sick (laughs) yeah no question what is a food that the best version is in New York. Like you travel around and there's nothing better than it is in New York. I'm going to sound corny, but the bagels, I like it doughy. I want it thick. I don't want to feel like someone just pressed a bunch of bread together. I want it crispier on the outside. It's a texture that it's hard to even explain to people outside of New York. Yes. What's your favorite favorite bagel shop? Right now I'm in the Lower East Side in this place called, called Kozar's has really great bagels and I love an everything bagel yes. where every bite is a, a different punch of flavor. Oh, the Lower East Side's my favorite. You're right by Russ and Daughters then. Yes. I'm oh, I'm so lucky with the food in the Lower East Side and I take my brunch very seriously. I take a lot of <laughs> specific niche foods very seriously yeah. and I feel like New York is able to, you'll find the right spot for everything. I don't know if this is easy to answer. This is a super cheesy question, but as a comedian, can you think of like, mm-hmm. what do you think the funniest food is? Oh, I think spaghetti is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think spaghetti is hilarious because it's one of those foods that I've told myself not to order on a date. It is impossible to look like you have your shit 
together while you're eating spaghetti. Um, it cannot be controlled and it will somehow get on you. Yes. I'm a spiller. I'm a little messy. And I just remember telling myself, don't ever order spaghetti on a date again. There's no way to look sexy while eating spaghetti. And that was Hannah Burner's last meal. find a link to her tour schedule and her podcasts in the show notes. Thanks to Dave Sobelman, co-owner of Sobelman's Pub and Grills in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And a special thanks to Nana. Do they all call you Nana? Everybody. I'm Nana. So many of my followers say, you know, they lost their grandparents and could I be their Nana? And it makes me so happy. On every single one of your posts on Instagram, you always give advice. What is your advice for today? (laughs) Well, especially at my age, enjoy the things that make you happy. Time goes very fast. Food is one of the pleasures of life. Just don't overdo it. And have a deep appreciation for your life, for your family especially, which I do. And... Never give up. I am also a cancer survivor, so I do believe in trying to be as strong as you can and not feeling sorry for yourself. There's always somebody worse off than you, always. And you don't have to look too far to see that. You can find a link to Nana's Instagram page in the show notes. Your Last Meal is produced by me and Laura Scott. Original theme music by Seattle's very own Prom Queen. Follow along on Instagram, hello Rachel Bell, B E L L E, and you can find out more about the show or send us a message through the website, yourlastmealpodcast.com. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. So the original is in Milwaukee proper, though. Yes, sir. Okay. Has Wisconsin always been known for these crazy Bloody Marys? Who started this? Wisconsin is known, and I, I should have said, yes, ma'am, I apologize. That's okay, let uh, it go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you do love to sleep. I've read a lot of quotes from you being like, napping, night sleeping, day sleeping, I'll take all of it. And it's usually right after a good meal. Put mm-hmm. your right to sleep. If you have trouble sleeping, <laughs> have some Taco Bell, you'll go right to sleep.